Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your host Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk around a specific topic in this space. This week, it's episode seven of season two. We're going to have a chat around the cloud adoption framework for Azure, a full lifecycle framework that enables cloud architects, IT professionals, and business decision makers to achieve their cloud adoption goals. Hey, Alan, how are you doing? Hey, Sam, I'm doing okay. Work's busy. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, always good to be uh, busy. And we've luckily finally had some rain in the UK after many months of, yeah, uh, sunshine, which is very uh, anti-UK weather, for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, right, let's let's talk uh, cloud adoption framework. Um, so as I explained in the intro, um, uh, we're going to talk around cloud adoption framework. Um, I am going to be the so-called quotes expert on the cloud adoption framework. Alan is going to uh, try and extract as much knowledge as he can from me um, throughout. So yeah, let's uh, let's take it away. Okay, so I guess the first question there is, uh, so what is the the cloud adoption for Azure? Okay, so the cloud adoption framework for Azure. Um, if you are uh, I'll, I'll take it back to its sort of uh, simplest essence, and we'll go through we'll go through a diff uh, a few sets of different um, uh, scenarios that people could be utilizing it for, right? And um, but we'll start off with probably the most simplistic uh, one is 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 to say um, if you are say uh, moving to the cloud, uh, let's say you've got a it's not simplistic, but I suppose it's the simplest one to describe. I suppose in this, this conversation. Uh, let's say you're migrating um, your current on-premise data center to the cloud, yeah? Um, and and I suppose it doesn't actually really matter what cloud, well, Microsoft wouldn't like to hear this, but I suppose it doesn't really matter what cloud provider you've decided, right? Um, whilst you're, when you're going to move such, you know, it could be critical infrastructure. Um, there's there's There could be, you know, uh, protected workloads that, that need to be moved. I mean, a lot of IT is, important in in the you know in organizations right it's it, it's it's usually the foundational underpinnings of any business um so you know if we're going to go through a um a rather large uh, potentially disruptive change um to to migrate workloads in into the cloud then it, it would seem quite reasonable to have a plan about how you're going to do that okay um and and i think what um I think what a lot of people, um, especially us techies, um, sort of gloss over is, is that there's a lot more than just the actual technical, you know, workload move that goes on there, right? Um, you know, um, there's, you know, uh, business stakeholder engagement, there's, biz there's business cases, there's... Um, risk mitigation, there is, there's many different things going on throughout the life cycle of that project. Um, because it's very rare that, you know, unless you're a very small organization that some, um, like a singular, you know, technical person has enough authority to just sign off a move to like a different, let's say cloud provider or a different like hosting mechanism. Right. Um, and, and especially the larger, you know, the larger your organization, generally the, the more levels of bureaucracy that you need to go through in order to get that approval and things like that. 
So the cloud adoption framework is is really a uh, a starting point. I, I wouldn't even really say it's a starting point. Actually, uh, it's probably the wrong way of describing it because it is a full fledged framework of all of the potential um, avenues that you might want to go down, all of the struggles that you may have, and um, and and to try and it's essentially trying to give you as many resources as it possibly can to make sure your you know your your cloud adoption you know journey is as successful as possible. It's also in Microsoft's best interest <laughs> to make your cloud adoption you know um, as seamless as it possibly can. So the cloud adoption framework literally packs in as much uh, best practice um, uh, uh, experience and and thinking. And resources, I think that's a big thing that people um, probably uh, misinterpret. Well, I certainly did about the cloud adoption framework is the amount of actual resources there are, templates, um, you know, playbooks, uh, workbooks, um, you know, um, deployment templates, you know, uh, you name it. Basically, if you if you need to move to um, if you need to move to the cloud and you you don't you know, have your own, you don't want to set up your own, you know, robust framework and plan. Um, Microsoft have a sort of a ready-made, you know, um, template for you. Okay. So it's, it's used to help organizations move, move either migrate to the cloud, or I guess even if they're evergreen, you know, like you said, brand new then, and don't have much, if any infrastructure, then it's a way of, doing that 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 move well i guess move to the cloud but starting from a fresh yeah because i suppose it's um um so so what what can happen if you've got if you're if you're a large or larger organization and you've got um infrastructure that needs to be migrated to the cloud you've potentially got a lot of risk there you know moving those workloads and also the effort and the cost of doing so and improving that business case but then on the other side if you are evergreen and you know it's it, it's it's always the business's aspiration to grow. Um, you also might want to take a viewpoint of you want to to build yourself the best possible um, like architecture in Azure, right? So you know we we talk about um, cloud adoption framework talks about um, when we're we're architecting the solutions, say like landing zones that you build inside of um, Azure, and and effectively these are um, architectures on you know um, best practice ways to organize resources in Azure, you know, in its most simplistic sense. So it might make sense for you if you're evergreen and you think that you're going to, you know, heavily adopt um, uh, the cloud. And one would hope that your business is growing and requires more resources, you know, compute resources and, and things like that going forward um, just to set yourself off on the right track. Um, I mean, it really depends what size organization you are because there's many different factors that come into play here. But um, but for, for for businesses that are are growing or of a certain size already, the cloud adoption framework can can really help them. Okay, great. So I guess that kind of answers the question around why you know why does why it exists is to help you know, help you to that do that migration or to adopt the uh, the cloud. I mean, we're talking about Azure, but it could be potentially any cloud there. Yeah, yeah, and I think. Um, the the whys are are probably the most simplistic part of it you know um you know why does it exist in the first place you know like like i've mentioned before um 
you know, it's in Microsoft's best interest to, you know, give you your business cases to your your non-technical stakeholders on why, you know, the, the benefits of, of moving to the cloud. And, 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 and us, us as technical people, I think we see those benefits or we can at least understand some of those benefits quite simply, right? You know, we understand that the cost model is different, um, the flexibility, well, the agility, the you know the the ability to scale, you know, of both ways at, at any time. Um, we see all of those benefits, but actually capturing them and then you know explaining them to the business is it is hard, and it's it's hard to because if you don't have great justification, um, you won't have great motivation in your business to to to, to make these changes, right? So it is is as much of you know if you're on the if you're on the cloud migration team. It's it's much your job to 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 make sure that there is like you know uh, high levels of motivation in your organization to actually make this change, because you're going to have to pull in multiple people from different parts of the business. You're going to have to talk to you know your 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 C suite. Um, you know you're going to have to talk talk to um, maybe you have a uh, an ops department, a risk and compliance you know uh, people that you need to talk to. You're going to have to speak to finance because this is a completely different model than, you know, um, um, procuring everything that needs to go into a data center, right? So you're, you're going to need a way to talk to all of those people in the correct structured uh, formats. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right around the, the finance side of things because normally in a data center, a physical data center, you buy hardware up front and then it keep it for X years and everyone in some organizations, you know, when you need a new virtual machine and things like that, it's deemed as air quotes free because we're already paying for it. And then, you know, moving to the cloud where it's consumption based, it looks worse. And, and we could go into all the other stuff that, you know, it's more expensive because all the, the back end stuff that's secure in it, et cetera, et cetera. So, so yeah. Yeah. And, 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 um, I think I think what the the framework is trying to do is it's trying to um, to uh, give you some uh, best practice opinions. Like a lot of people don't want other people's opinions, right? Because they have their own, you know, thing. You know, they have their own plans and, and things like that. But what what is great about a framework like this is that you can get a a reasonable, I would say, a reasonable opinion from. Uh, you know the people that build the cloud that you know build the cloud itself right you know yeah. the team of you know the te- the team of people that have come up with um uh, th- these frameworks you're leveraging other people's experience and knowledge you know um as well so and you can you can regurgitate it as your own knowledge you know inside of your organization so that's always a great uh, plus when you you rock up with a template that you know um, you didn't <laughs> you didn't build and then um, you, you present it as your own thing um so 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 yeah there's there's a lot to help you um through that journey okay so we've kind of talked about it in a very light way but what are some of the features in that framework okay so there's um I think the first thing that I'm just going to explain before I go into this is that the cloud adoption framework is absolutely packed with amazing amounts of uh, detail and uh, templates and documentation. So, and in, it is it was it is pretty high level, you know, especially if you're from a technical perspective. It, it, it's it's going to cover things outside your technical uh, remit because it's the full life cycle of it. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not exactly 
um, going to be able to jump into each of the items individually because there's just far too many aspects um, to talk about when you when you're planning a a cloud migration. But I'm going to go through the high level, you know, parts of the, uh, the life cycle and just explain a little bit why they're included and what they are. And you know, um, even talking about it from a high level is going to make some sense as to why um, these these parts are included. Okay, that sounds like a plan. Okay, so. Um, so I think the I think the first thing is to uh, try to understand your adoption, um, your journey that you're going to sort of go on, uh, right? So uh, essentially, to start off with, you are you you're wanting to establish your teams for your cloud migration, your teams internally for your cloud migration, right? Because uh, we know from delivering projects that the smallest number of people to come a project is you know usually the, the 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 best number because you get um you get a good variety of opinions without adding massive layers of bureaucracy uh, bureaucracy so we're talking about you know assembling your team having the right key stakeholders from the relevant departments that you need you know and in in, in this in in this this team it's not necessary that these team members have to do a lot of work you know if you're if you're managing, if, if you if you're the um, the owner of the project, um, if you're delivering your your your, your cloud migration, um, you might want to bring in your CFO, not to help you run the numbers or or anything like that. Well, they they might help you run the numbers, but they might be able to give you strategic alignment into you know and and, and to be able to talk to them at a high level around things. You you might engage with somebody else in the finance team to actually work through the numbers. But but what what we're talking about is your core sort of team that are gonna you know um, the people that you need to motivate to move things along and that can actually move the needle you know the people that have got the 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 authority to 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 do that um, and usually as high up the C suite tree as you can possibly get yeah usually is is the right way to go um, and then and then after that you've you've got to come up with an actual strategy right so you you kind of you kind of know that you, you well, you're you, you know that you want to go on this journey. Uh, you've got the people around you um, to, to make that happen. Maybe you haven't had your first meeting yet. You know, maybe maybe you've got to draw the line in the sand. You know, you, they're going to come to you looking for you know um, your te- your expertise on on moving this forward. So, when we're talking about strategy, we're really talking about um, uh, motivations. So what what we're trying to do is we're trying to um, um, sell to the business, you know, um, why why we are making this transition, okay? And we're talking around, you know, um, um, you know, doing benefit analysis on, you know, why why we should move to the cloud versus, you know, potentially, and and uh, potentially, let's say your you know your data center is. Let's say um, you built your data center X number of years ago and all of the kit in there is ready for replacement, you know, and, and now the decision is, is do we build another data center or do we actually move to the cloud, you know, and how that, you know, how that functions. So you are going to have to build a business case at this point, right? Because the, you know, businesses, they, they don't make change for no reason right there's always a motivation behind a, a business change especially like this you know it's either to save costs to aka make more money 
or it's to you know uh, reduce risk or or make things easier you know um you, you're really you, you've really got to work through the weeds of that you know to build those motivations internally um you've got to think around you know what the outcomes of the for the business are so i've talked around you know uh, a reduction of risk you know a better business continuity you know uh, there's many different things. I'm not going to go into them. Um, so you're looking at business outcomes. So w- w- what's the benefit for the business, not just from a financial perspective? Then you've got to talk. You, you have got to have that conversation around those financial concerns, because you know in the data center world, it's like okay, we'll spend six figures building this, and then we'll amortize the cost over four years. Then we'll sweat our hardware for another two because we're you know too cheap to buy more. Um, happens you know far more than you think um so and and cloud is a different way of billing there is relatively no upfront cost there is just monthly cost and the 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 way that you um save money is you know in the infrastructure space is to you know reserve instances for longer you know you you commit to a two to three year uh window and you'll get a hefty you know uh discount on that um uh so so there's that to talk about there's also the technical considerations you know is your business from a technical perspective ready to actually move to the cloud you know you have um you have you know people like uh alan and i who are more cloud focused than we are certainly on-prem focused now but if you have an on-prem team you know if you say to that on-prem team oh by the way we're moving to the cloud and there's there are similarities between on-prem and in the cloud, but, you know, getting that across to those people without them all just literally walking out the door could, could be a, you know, you've got to plan for that. You've got to also get them motivated um, throughout it. Um, so then, you, you know, you're on to building a timeline. You, you need to show to the business that it's actually achievable. You know, everybody loves, you know, a, a deadline. You know, when's it actually, when do we feel like we can actually make this happen? Because timelines and deadlines actually show that there is the possibility of, you know, achieving your goal, if that makes sense, right? If it's like a, oh, yeah, this might be a two-year, you know, um, project for us, then you're going to really struggle to get motivation um, internally to, to get things moving. Um, yeah, so you've, you've also, we've talked about your business case. That is what you're going to go to the business with and say, you know, uh, here's all the benefits. Here's, you know, um, being realistic. Here's, here's our negatives. Here's the financial impact and technical impact and things like that. You're going to build a business case. You're going to take that to C-suite and your, you know, your executive team and your project team first, and then your executive team. And that's why you want to pull as many executives as you possibly can into that team because you get uh, better buy-in uh, earlier on. Um, you you build in the open with those people, and there's less, you know, there's less um, uh, confusion and surprise later on. Um, then we're talking around uh, sharing your strategy. So moving on to, you know, how do you communicate and how do you market your strategy internally? Because in some businesses, there are internal political, you know, uh, politics, right? You, you, have to, you have to get everybody on side. You have to get people motivated and, and excited for your project. Um, and so, so, so you're really, and, 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 and the, the bits that I've just talked about, there are stages in the cloud adoption framework for each of those steps. So if you don't know how to have a conversation and I, would would struggle to um, if you needed to have a conversation with your CFO around the cost model of uh, of, of Azure. Um, 
then there are templates and guidance on the best ways to approach those conversations with those types of people. Because we're not, you know, uh, finance people. We we don't, we you know, we're not in that space. So we, we need a way to come up with some sort of common language that we both um, understand. So strategy is probably, well, except for the second part, which is planning, is one of the most important parts because I, I don't believe uh, a lot of people understand how important it is to have a strategy and to market that internally to get motivation and buy-in. Um, then we're going to move on to planning. So this is around, you know, um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of people try and move to the cloud without a plan, you know, because, you, you know, we can, we can map these things out in our heads. Um, I certainly can, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, sorry, sorry, Alan. I was going to say, it's easy, say? isn't it? You know, just spin up a VM. You don't have to worry about the network or anything until you <laughs> the, have um, four or yeah. five. <laughs> well, the, uh, I mean, um, the Microsoft documentation is the, the best blessing and curse, I think, um, that I could have because, um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, demonstrating how, quotes easy it is to move to the cloud, you know, um, when in fact every single workload is different and the nuances of those workloads are can be very important, you know, and that's in the, in the assumptions and the weeds and the detail is where the true risks show, you know, it's not until you're, you know, moving a a mid move of a database where you realize, oh, SQL Azure doesn't have the functional, you know, the functionality that we need from, you know, full blown SQL server, uh, what we're going to do. So, so, so planning is around, you know, um, mapping, uh, trying to understand what your digital estate is going to look like. So um, how you're going to, to to plan your digital estate and plan the inventory that's going to be in it. You're going to, um, you're also going to work on your skills readiness plan. So this is like what we talked about before. So maybe we've had a conversation with our technical people and they're completely up for moving to the cloud. But you know, um, quite rightly, they might not have any cloud, you know, um, skills. So you may have to buy in skills to augment your team. You know, uh, Alan and I work with teams all the time that, you know, have got years and years of on-prem experience, but they just haven't, you know, they're on that journey, you know, with their organization. And it's not because they can't do it. Um, it's because they just haven't done it before. Right. And, um, and when you're talking about building a production estate for your business, that can be quite a risk, right? So sometimes you you may have to, you know, wait until your technical people are, are ready, um, hire more resource, um, and or augment your team with with other resource as well. Um, you're going to create a cloud adoption plan um, and plan how you're going to align your current workloads into Azure. You know, um, you're going to work on. Um, you're going to work on your um, your cloud adoption plan, which is going to uh, sort of uh, prioritize how you're going to move as well. So because we're not, uh, I think it's worth mentioning as well is cloud adoption is usually not a one and done job. It's usually a process that lasts, you know, time. It, you know, um, some companies like to move, say, one workload at a time starting with the least priority workloads, moving up to the most critical workloads. Because by the time you get there, fingers crossed the, you know, um, um, 
the the kinks have been ironed out and and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and we're also going to try and estimate our timelines for our cloud adoption plan. I know we had a timeline before, but that was like a high level strategic timeline. You know, um, we might want to break down. You know, workload one, we're going to try and get that in in two months. Workload two, you know, the next month, and and so on and so forth. Um, it might not work like that in your organization. I'm just using examples. Um, there is also a strategic uh, migration assessment and readiness tool. Um, and and that, that can be useful to go through to, to understand um, how ready uh, you are versus what you think, you know. So it's, it's going to challenge you a little bit in terms of your thinking and your process and where you really are. Um, on that, that thing. So it's, it's always good to get, um, I think it's always great to have a benchmark from somebody else, you know, to, 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 to have somebody to, to challenge your assumptions, you know. Um, um, and that's how like um, Alan and I and in, in our team uh, really work. We're, we're trying to, to, to bash all of our, you know, um, misunderstandings and our naivety out of our equations and risk as early as we possibly can, you know. We we don't go into any sort of project thinking that, you know, um, we know everything. It's just going to be absolutely fine. You know, it's it's everything's just going to be swimming because it's it's invariably not because you know the the real world comes into it. Um, so after you have a a, a plan, and I, and I think actually just just to pause a second, I think it's also um, I think it's also good to understand what the cloud adoption framework is is you can cherry pick as much as you want or as little as you want from this plan, okay? So so if you're a um, like a small bootstrap startup, yeah, then you might not go through a business case because there might not be a point in doing a business case. Why? Because you might not have any infrastructure. You know, the decision to move to Azure might just be because your CTO is a .NET dev and it's just going to align better with um, with with their technology that they they, they work with. That's also an absolutely, you know, sound strategy for a startup, you know. Um, so I do think the level of, you know, the size of organization that you are and the criticality of your workloads is really going to dictate how much of this cloud adoption framework you are actually going to have to adopt in your process. Um, the next stage is um, the ready stage. So what we're doing here is we are um, defining setting up Azure. Uh, we'll just talk about Azure because this is the Let's Talk Azure podcast. So yeah, you're setting up your cloud environment. Uh, you're setting up with uh, setting up Azure. So you're getting all of the boring um, tenant setup done, all of the base configuration, um, things like that. Um, you're defining um, your operating model. So this is how... Um, this is how you, um, here you're really defining your overall architecture of your workloads, right? And this is where sort of um, uh, architecture and landing zones come into it as well, okay? Um, so in the cloud, because it is effectively all virtual, there are many different ways to structure things. Um, so... So, so two people looking at Azure, you know, to migrate the same workloads may come up with two completely different ways to approach, you know, um, say your landing zones and your architecture in Azure. 
we're not talking about the workload architecture. So let's say you've got an app, let's say you've got a Tableau that you're moving up and you're, you're, you're hosting that, you know, in, in Azure. What we're talking around is um, uh, management groups, um, subscriptions, um, virtual networks, you know, how the core, the core backbone of the infrastructure is actually architected. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that can have, and this is probably one of the most important parts of it, because once you start to populate, once you start to populate your cloud with a lot of resources, it can be, and I don't want to be too doomsday, but it can be complex to re-architect, um, your account architecture. Um, you might, you, you might not be able to move uh, resources to particular, you know, different places, um, moving things around can really, um, you got any good examples of this, Alan, where you can't, um, uh, you architect something and then you try and move things around like between management groups or, um, subscriptions? Uh, I think, uh, sometimes with, uh, log analytics, you can't move it from different subscriptions in certain scenarios. Sometimes it does move, sometimes it doesn't. And that's the the point that you know, you might be fine on one resource, but not on another. Yeah. And I guess another example is naming that you can't rename stuff. Yeah, naming is a great one <laughs> because, like you say, yeah, um, it might be a delete and recreate, and especially if that's something quite high up the tree, like a, yeah, that can be uh, that can be quite thing. And I think as well, it's just also talking around that architecture is important because. You could be sort of um, so from the software side, we have a concept called technical debt. I don't know if 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 that's also the case in the cloud world, but you could be you could be um, creating a level of debt for yourself in the future that you don't know about. You know, um, and and I don't want pe I wouldn't want people to get too hung up about this and to think about it forever. You know, but just to have a plan is usually ninety percent of the way, right? You're you're always going to make you know, slight mistakes and, you know, things aren't going to work out the, the way that you want them to. Um, but, but at least if you've gone into it, you know, with all the brains in the room, you know, coming up with the best, you know, most reasonable architecture, um, cause you get, you get different architectures. Like you might have like, say, uh, um, hub and spoke for instance, right. You might decide that's a pattern and an architecture that you want to go down. Uh, where you use different types of subscriptions for different types of resources, you know, um, and you would architect your networking um, in, in such a way to to, to protect certain uh, resources. Um, so like I've just spoken about with, say, Hub and Spoke, there are sort of um, some um, example architectures that you can pull from, you know, because if you've never looked at Azure before, you know, you might you might not know that there are sort of um, published um, architectures out there that you can follow, um, and you know, and and when we're talking about these architectures, they're touch wood not particularly complex. They're just a good opinionated way to to sort of start things, um, and and the cloud adoption framework has loads of information around landing zones also loads of ways to help accelerate landing zone building so we're talking arm templates terraform 
um, you know, DevOps practice, if that's really what you want to, to get into as well. Um, um, so, uh, but what, what can, the only thing I've just mentioned DevOps is the first time I've talked about it so far, and I'm going to caveat DevOps because I'm a big DevOps advocate, um, but I'm going to caveat it in when we're talking about migrations. Um, I try not to get too hung up on Terraform and making it like the be all and end all for, you know, deployment, um, right? Because, because if you're an organization that hasn't adopted DevOps and Terraform, there is a, there is an inherent amount of effort that you need to go through to get that set up, right? And to do it at the scale, you know, of, of like a, a larger organization. So if, if it was me, I would, I would, I would just work through this in sort of manual mode, especially for your um, your architecture, because your architecture is right at the top of the tree. It's only built once, or it very it changes very infrequently. You know, so so having that locked down with Terraform, uh, Terraform I see is is the biggest benefit is being able to um, um, to understand your uh, to, to 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 rapidly redeploy uh, workloads inside of your environment. You can also even if you don't build with Terraform. You can redocument um, what you've built manually in Terraform, so that if you do bring in Terraform later, then you can reference what you've done in Terraform after the fact. So it's not like you know not adopting Terraform at this stage is going to massively hinder you in the future. You're just going to take a slightly different journey uh, with Terraform. Um, I've been talking to you for a while, so I'm gonna I'm gonna move through the next section rap uh, pretty pretty quickly, which is adopt. So this is the you know the technical people coming in to actually do the migration. I, I'm not I'm not going to talk uh, too much about this because um, migration is going to be very specific to your workloads, and the way that you handle it is going to be very um, dependent on your business criticality and how your business is set up. So um, the idea is to 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 have a plan for each of those workloads already, and then to work through those plans in a structured way with your technical team feels weird that the two technical people wouldn't talk about adopt you know the most in this conversation <laughs> but i don't actually think it's the the most in, uh, important part um and then i think once we've adopted or as we are adopting as well i don't think it's you know one after the other we're talking about uh governing um uh the the azure uh, in, uh, well, the cloud environment so what we're talking around here is and we've got we've already got uh um, episodes on this say azure policy um uh, governance is really around. Um, it's not just it's just not just around policy, but it's also around um, how you. What's the best um, the best way to describe governance? Um, governance is around understanding and having visibility of what is in the cloud, and how it is is it is configured against a known benchmark. Okay, so. So, but I, uh, us technical people, we think about technical governance. So we may think about policy around uh, CIS, um, you know, frameworks, you know, actually hardening, you know, uh, workloads. But it can be hard. It can be um, before that. It could be operational governance. So um, you know, your policies that are in place. You know, how people. How, how the business interacts with the cloud, how how you actually move through the cloud to manage it, you know, 
what what are the organizational controls that you need to put in place um you know um you you could also be defined by a regulatory compl uh, uh, compliance framework so for instance like um in your in, 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 you know you might have a very simple policy that you you don't use say public preview software you know in azure you know like th that's a really simple simplistic example i'm just trying to i take it back to simple so it doesn't get too in depth but you know how you how you actually put those policies in place and actually check against them and benchmark them you you have to put that when when you're when you're in a when you're in an organization of a certain size you are going to have to 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 work inside of those controls you know so i think it's i think it's worth um you know um spending some time especially with your your operational teams, your your governance teams, to actually understand um, what sort of controls that they want to put in place as well. So, so if I get this right as well, would that include sort of governing the the spend within Azure? Because obviously it can run away, and you're going to need some sort of governance alerting that sort of stuff to kind of help with that. Is that kind of? Yeah. So you, you could take cost management governance. Um, you could have security baselining, identity governance. You know, there's many different sort of pillars to governance within side of Azure. So go go and check out the cloud adoption framework documentation because I think as well it will it will open because governance to me has always been a bit of a bureaucratic like overlay that you know potentially slows things down, but actually, um, you know, um, understanding cost management and managing the risk of cost is very important to the business, you know, and we need to remember that, that those things are very important because yeah. 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 I was going to say, and I guess that putting some of that governance in early means you don't have to try and backtrack some of it or mitigate anything you need to do to, to keep or to, to apply that gov that governance, I guess as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, the next stage is management, because obviously, invariably, when when your new shiny new uh, cloud goes in, somebody has to manage it, you know. Um, and if you're building it for yourself, that's going to be people in your team. So you are going to have to um, to understand things like um, your inventory and getting visibility of your inventory and understanding what is there and what the scope of your inventory is. Um, um, understanding the workloads and the platform itself and how, you know, the specializations that you need for your workloads. You know, if you're using, I'm just picking a technology off the top of my head. If you're using Azure SQL, then, you know, what specializations do you need in Azure SQL to get the most from it and also to manage it going forward? You know, invariably things do go wrong, you know, and it's in those times, like when your management policies and procedures come in place, you know, of how you deal with those um, those incidents um, is almost around business continuity, high availability. You know, um, your DR strategy, uh, things like that. You know, you have to be you have to be ready for those things um, that that come up. You could also um, talk about uh, you know uh, different um, workloads being at different criti criticalities and how you manage them. It may be that your dev test, you know, subscriptions, you, you don't manage in the same way as you do your production, you know, systems. You might not um, 
care about them in the same way, you know? Um, just an example, you should care about your dev test subscriptions, by the way. Um, so yeah, so so your disciplines of how you manage and how you actually perform those operations, I think is important because your ops team, your technical ops team um, has to be ready to to actually, you know, wield the beast that you've created. Uh, the next stage is um, securing your new cloud offering. So hardening it um, once you put it in. Um, as Alan and I will know far too well that um, what can happen is you can build, 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 and not secure, 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 secure as you go um, uh, through your journey. So it's 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 it is imperative that you have a security uh, framework that you work to and a security uh, cadence that you work to as well. It has to be front of mind because um, we've seen it before when large amounts of resources go into Azure and then the cost and effort that is associated with remediating those resources is is kind of too much to bear really at that point. It, it then has to go back, you know, it's so much work. It then has to go back as like a special project and delay, you know, um, what I'll call real work happening, uh, if you see what I mean. Because security is real work, but it's 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 not moving the needle of the business forward, is it? It's 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 an operational overhead that we should pay as we go, not wait, 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 breach. Oh, then we'll pay back that debt in the in a future. We don't want to get to that scenario because uh, people have to remember there is a shared you know security model within every single you know cloud um, cloud provider out there. You know, yes, they will handle your data center for you. That is absolutely fine. You know, if you're on pass, they will handle your you know the different levels that you go to. They will handle more and more and more for you. Um, but there are still critical ways that you can, you know, incorrectly configure things inside of cloud environments, which makes them uh, vulnerable to attack. Um, so understanding your, you know, security operations um, and, and how you, you, you plan security um, and how you, how you remediate security. Uh, DevSecOps, you know, if you are, you know, uh, automatically deploying things into, um, into, into the cloud and security governance, you know, how, you know, are you going to have a, um, a security committee that, you know, um, uh, um, and the next episode that we're going to talk about is going to work really well for your, you know, security committee, mm -hmm. because, um, it's all around gaining visibility, um, on, on your, your security posture. So, so, so understanding security that you need to do it is the first, the first big hurdle, and making sure everybody knows that they need to do it, and it needs to be front and center of your of your strategy. Um, and then um, the, the the last part um, really is around um, organization alignment. So, so what 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 we're basically saying is is that you know we're going to onboard a new cloud environment and we need the teams, not just the teams that are going to run the project in terms of onboarding, but then organizing the actual teams that are going to run the cloud environment as well, you know, because having the correct, you know, people in place, that might not just be people in your team. It might be external contractors, uh, partners that are coming in to help you with that. Um, but, but having the correct people in your um, your, your, your cloud team will really accelerate um, how effective your cloud adoption um, really is. Because 
once you've adopted it, you have to manage it. You know, it's not just to set and forget, not unless you pay somebody to fully manage it for you, which is obviously another, um, you can make all of these things go away with money. You know, um, that, that is also possible. You don't have to do it all yourself. Um, but usually, you know, in, in a business or an organization, you know, your internal data center would be managed by your own people. You would have built a team around that, my assumption would be, or you would have outsourced it all. Um, and it's probably going to be the same for your cloud environment. Sorry, I've talked for absolutely too long about it and I have not even scratched the surface. So please go into the documentation, start to read through it, start to understand what it is uh, giving you because there is so much extra information that they are giving you that I've completely just skipped over because I don't want to get bogged down in detail <laughs> on this call. So, um, so yeah, apologies. <laughs> I was, I was going to say it's amazing that you've only sort of scratched the surface and we're already what 44 minutes in and we've not yeah, really, like exactly, you said, yeah. haven't dived in um no it's yeah exactly but yeah one one thing can the cloud adoption framework help an organization name things is there a naming <laughs> convention or some best practice or whatever because you know uh, it's you know how how long have we spent on sometimes or just trying to name something <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's always the joke of computer science that the most complicated thing is naming things you know variables resource names uh anything um yeah so so what what i think um microsoft uh, azure and microsoft do well is um and and to be fair this is this has been a common trait of microsoft throughout the years really um of my experience of them is they are great at giving you an opinionated viewpoint not not in you know not not to you can name anything, anything, can't you, in Azure, right? But but Microsoft themselves also know how to give you a naming convention, for instance, right? So um, so yeah, the, the, in the cloud adoption framework, there there is um, naming conventions, uh, uh, tagging conventions in terms of your tagging, you know, hierarchies and taxonomies and, and things like that. Um, so so when you are going through this. You know, if you are having a conversation with people about how to name things, then you can just look to the cloud adoption framework to to give you a reasonable answer that might work for for people. You know, but it's not fully opinionated. It's not going to you know stop you naming a resource group. You know, something dis disgusting. You know, like you know, it, it's it's not going to do that. Um, but it, it's going to be there if you if you want to, to to follow that advice and guidance. Okay, great. So. After Tanas, the high level of all this, do I really need the framework? You know, it seems like a lot of, like you said, it's like a lot of work there. There's a lot of information. Yeah, there is, and I think, um, I think, I think what you first, I think maybe before you even start, I think you need to understand how um, the risks to the business and understanding what what the motivations are for moving to the cloud and its criticality right so if you if you if you are a five person bootstrap startup i would say that you probably don't need to go through 90% of this right but you know picking your picking your architecture and your landing zones is still going to be important to you because 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 you know Nobody, nobody wants to, you know, do the same thing twice. You know, it's just it's it's counterintuitive to do that. So, I I would say 
even if you don't follow it and you are making a lot of decisions that maybe you should go out to the business to do, I think you should, you know, if you don't follow it with your team, I think it's still great to have somebody else, you know, uh, verifying what your thought process is, you know, as you're going through it. Right. You know, just, you know, um, uh, I'll I'll give you an example, like just thinking about the financial considerations, right. Even if you don't write it down and you, you make this, you know, these big documents with, you know, presentations to the board and all of these different things, you know, just actually going through that and going through, you know, the financial, you know, um, considerations, you know, the difference between CapEx and OpEx and, you know, and, and how, and, and how that all, how that finance world operates, you might not need to, you might not need to get a verification from C-suite around it, but you still need to understand that you're still going to have higher operational costs with the cloud versus, you know, uh, you know, capital expenditure with the cloud. It's just how it works, if, if that makes sense, you know. So, so if, if you're talking to your non-technical founder about, and, and they're like, well, can't we just co-locate a server? Yeah, you can if you buy the server, stick it in there and, you know, and then manage it. So you're going to have, you know, um, you're going to have capital expenditure of the server itself. You're going to have operational expenditure of the rack. You're going to have to pay for the, to manage it. You know, when it goes down, you're going to have to have somebody on call because the box is going to go down, you know, versus just spending 300 quid a month on app service, right? Like as in, you know, like, okay, yeah, app service, if I keep it for 15 years would be more expensive than if I keep it kept a server for 15 years or eight years or whatever the number is. Um, but they're two completely different, you know, financial models and also operating models, right? So just being able to confidently talk about that, I think is important um, and, and, and what the, you know, what the benefits are because, and in, in some scenarios, the cloud isn't the right solution. You know, like some, some things just aren't prohibitively, are prohibitively expensive in the cloud. You know, like um, if you're an AI startup and you need hardware GPUs, you know, it, it might be better for you to buy, you know, uh, boxes full of GPUs and then co-locate them in a server with enough power to go into them because it might be that you need them to train your AI models and you don't need to do that 24-7. And if you can't train your AI models for two days because the box is down, like, so what? You know, um, but then it might be that when you're running your trained AI models in production, um, you need them to be up 24 seven because they're part of your application. You know, so it might be that you've got this hybrid scenario working, working where, you know, you grab a really powerful gaming machine to go under some dev's desk to do the training of the AI models, because again, it doesn't really matter. And you maybe have two of them, you know, to save on cost instead of spending a thousand pound a month on a server in azure to do it or you just spin that server up in an automated fashion you know for an hour a week when you need to train those those models right so understanding how the cloud works and you're going to get a lot of um really good understanding of 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 ways to architect your solutions inside of the cloud adoption framework that i think is is very important and take as much or as little as it you know because it isn't gospel you know it's not yeah the be all end all Okay, so this sounds it's, it sounds amazing to be honest of that information and how 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 you're talking about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, how do I get started? Where where are these documents you keep talking about? You know. Okay, so docs.microsoft.com is the place for yeah where we 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 love and cherish and also yeah <laughs> um, yeah so docs uh, so if you just search for the cloud adoption framework for Azure. 
um, hit get started, get yourself into the docks. And then on the left-hand side, there is a big bunch of um, uh, like, you know, a a folder and file structure in the side there. You can start from top to bottom. There's videos, there's uh, documentation. Uh, Like I said, there's, you know, there's, there's even things for like, you know, if, if you feel like your project, you know, motivations in your team, you know, are, are dwindling, you know, and you, you've got people that are coming back, you know, and, and asking these awkward questions, you don't know the answers to them. There's, there's actually like documentation in here to, to answer those questions, right? You know, because like I said, it's in Microsoft's best interest that your cloud adoption <laughs> project is successful, right? So um, they are going to, they're going to help you to sell this um, as much as you can. Okay, great. So I think that's probably it. Uh, we'll do a reflection. We're at 52 minutes. Um, Alan, you didn't ask me the most important question. What, how much did it cost? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what, what license do I need? Because yeah. we know that all roads lead to E5. So, um, yeah, so um, just, just to let you know, the cloud adoption framework itself is all completely free and available on docs.microsoft.com. You know, like I said, Microsoft are great. They do have, you know, they do have their own agendas for you reading through this documentation, right? So it's in their best interest to arm you with this information to go to your your project team. So um, I'm not saying they're being nefarious or anything like that, right? But um, but they do provide all of the content. Um, they're ready to read. No login required. You know, just get on, you know, and, and work through it. Brilliant. Okay, so if we just do a reflection, so yeah, the the cloud adoption framework is a as a full lifecycle adoption framework to um, assist in your migration to Azure or your startup into Azure. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, as, as as long as Azure is your endpoint, it doesn't matter really where you're coming from. Um, this this can help you. Okay, and you know it's the, the the framework you know works in stages that we you know you went through the the five six seven eight stages. I couldn't I think count them as I as you were talking, but you know helps you with the planning, um, the adoption, the governance, and you know security and things like that. As you take that, and and you're right, it is a it is a journey to the cloud. It's not a we're going to lift and shift it over a weekend. Definitely not. Um, well, it depends. Well, <laughs> it depends what your expectations are well, of your people. But yes, yes, I completely agree. I suppose yeah. it could yeah. be done if you had the hundreds of thousands of people <laughs> to do it all in one hit. But yes, risk or a very or, yeah, or, yeah, or very small amounts of yeah. resources. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So but yes, um, you're completely right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, um, and you know, the cloud adoption framework is free. It's on docs.microsoft.com. You can search for it, and there is loads, tons of resources there. Um, even if you dive into certain parts like trying to work out the you know your um template for for name your naming convention you know even if yeah. you just use it for that you know it's great yeah and 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 i think i think just one key thing that i maybe haven't talked about is is the cloud adoption framework isn't just for one person in the team right you know it's i, I don't think it's something for you to keep in your back pocket or to not explain mm-hmm you know, to people that it doesn't exist, right? Like I said before, you could just regurgitate it with your own knowledge, right? You could do that if you want to. Or you could, you know, um, you know, bring, you know, those those um those stakeholders along that journey and share with them, you know, the cloud adoption framework process, right? You know, of 
what what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and see what their input is is to it as well so yeah um so it, it sh- I, I feel it should be a, a central part of your y- y- your journey okay cool cool so okay. what's well what is the next episode yeah, Alan, what is the next episode? <laughs> because you are the expert in it. <laughs> yeah, so next time we're going to be talking about securing multi-cloud environments um, using Microsoft Defender for Cloud. So I th- think in season one, we talked about Azure Security Center. It got rebranded a year ago, maybe two years now. Who knows? Changes all the time. Um, and we're going to talk about, well, securing multi-cloud environments and how, you know, it's it's progressed in its technology because it has come quite a long way yeah and i think the multi-cloud element of that is yeah a definitely a different uh yeah, viewpoint isn't it for yes, sure definitely so um yeah if you've enjoyed this episode um, please do consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to more uh, of this sort of content in the future we have uh, many different topics that we'd like to cover and your listens and your support is what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward we also have the ability for you to give us some feedback. You know, did you enjoy this episode? Is there bits that you might want to um, us to, to dive into a bit more? Maybe one of those those sections um, of the adoption. Um, you know, is there anything we missed? Um, is there anything you want us to cover in, in future episodes? Um, yeah, in the in the show notes, there's a link to a form where you can fill out, and then we get that feedback, and we can. <laughs> do look at new episodes choose, choose or, to ignore yeah, you Alan. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah um yeah it's great um we can see the listens we can see the analytics we can see that people um are are listening to our content and yeah if you do want to help um drive us in specific directions or you disagree with us specifically right um, and things like that then uh please please do get in touch um we do we do love to hear from you Okay, cool. Thanks, um, everyone, for listening. If you've made it this far, and we'll catch you on the next one. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Speak to you next time. Bye.